Hello and welcome to the Readings Podcast. My name is Ellen and I'm the Marketing and Events Coordinator at Readings. I'm here today with Jamie Marina Lau, author of the excellent Pink Mountain on Locust Island, which is the latest fiction release from Lifted Brow Books. Welcome, Jamie, and thanks for coming in to talk to me today. Thank you for having me. You're very (laughs) welcome. Um, I'm going to start with a sort of broad question just to sort of ease us in. So who were some of the major literary inspirations when you started to write this book? Okay. So when I first started writing this book, I think I was getting really into the very typical sort of... um, noir, American noir. Mm. I, I strictly only read sort of American novels from like, um, you know, Brett Easton Ellis. Yep. And like, um, Chuck, I never know how to say his name, Chuck Palahinic. Yeah. I never you know, know. You know, I know. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. 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 But and, I never know. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like I was sort of into them before I didn't really want to branch out, but then I started branching out into this very specific genre in American literature. It's like Southern noir. Oh Gothic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Southern Gothic. Like, um, Barry Hannah, uh, Toni Morrison. I love Toni Morrison. Yeah. Beloved is one of my favourite books. Yeah, oh, I haven't read Beloved, actually. Oh, it's really wonderful. Yeah, I think I was studying Toni Morrison, which is what got me into her. Yep. And, like, it was just bizarre. Like, you, you've read jazz that's, like, notoriously no, all over the place and sort of just things happen and it's sort of surreal, but it's very grounded in this, like, small sort of community. Mm. So um, I was reading that in class, I think, at uni. And, yeah, and so I, I sort of explored that more. I, I somehow came across this book called Young God by Catherine Ford Morris. Mm. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. No, I haven't. It's, like, sort of similar style, and I was just blown away by it because it was just shocking. Mm. Like, all the things that happened, it was, like, set in this small town, and it's about this 13-year-old girl, and um, the first thing that happens in the book is her mum jumps off a cliff. Mm. And it's, yeah, and it just sort of gets worse from there, as you can imagine. And um, I started reading a book called um, Sophia by Michael Bible. They were all very specific authors from this Mm. very specific genre, is what I'm trying to get at. And uh, and then that also led to reading very short stories as well from... um, from that very specific genre so I think I was in this head frame where I was very curious about that world and very Mm. like unsure about it and I just didn't know it existed it was like very cased away yeah and did you always know that you wanted to take that genre and sort of plant it in your context of like it's set in Australia the book yeah not even so like I didn't actually set out to go and write like that Mm. but I think it sort of applied itself naturally as the book went on Mm. so like I was I always say that like the best way like the best way people or like that I know how to write is when I'm scared of something or like curious you know how everyone says write what you're interested about or like write what you don't know not write what you know yep so like I was always thinking um you know if I'm scared of it and if it's like sort of worries me a little then it's it's something that'll sort of naturally occupy my mind for a a long time oh definitely and I think the best (laughs) fiction sort of it like it is quite concerning and quite it's got that funny abject edge to it and I know like Toni Morrison for example she's a master of that of just kind of making you a bit uncomfortable yeah and this book definitely completely and it doesn't even have to be in the way that like the subject will be completely different to the way she writes it yeah yeah yeah, totally yeah in this book there were moments where I was a bit like not 
it's kind of hard to say without sounding mean, but it was like a bit sickening, but in a really great way. Like it actually, so good. <laughs> I'm glad you like it. I, like, so good. I always I mean that as a compliment that. about books, but I'm like, oh, it was disgusting. And people are like, that's not very nice. That's so sweet. But, it, makes, <laughs> but it makes Thank you feel you. something that I think you're definitely on the right track. Thank you. Um, now I wanted to move on to talk about the form of the book. It's a very formally ambitious book. Um, what, how would you describe your approach to form? And, and just for those who haven't read the book yet, what, what is it sort of structured like? So when I first wrote it, it was literally, I think it was in class and um, the teacher, the prompt was, um, I don't even remember what the prompt was, but you know how in class you have to read it out mm. and uh, for some reason I kind of knew I, I didn't put up my hand the whole year and it was like the second last class and I somehow knew that I, I was going to have to read it that day and so I made mine super short on yeah. purpose like I wrote the shortest most vague scene in the world um, just with like a lot of imagery and like a lot of mood um, and I sort of made that a challenge for myself because I hate reading in class. Like, I get all yeah, nervous. It's tricky. And, um, and she actually, funnily enough, did get me to read that day. And I was like, um, got some feedback on it. And they were, they were kind of like, oh, we liked how it sort of was a mood, but you didn't give away too much. And I was like, oh, cool. And I took it away. And um, I sort of started naturally writing other scenes with the same character vaguely, but um, mm. not... And so I, I sort of took it as a writing practice for myself because usually um, I'd written, I was like one of those teenagers that just wrote a lot of yeah. books, you know, when they were younger <laughs> and I just kept going. So like it was a practice for myself to sort of stay contained in like each moment and um, each thought and each sort of significant feeling for Monk, the mm. main character. So um, yeah, it was sort of a way of trying to dig into her mind without going into it. 24-7 because I feel like when you try to get into a character's head 24-7 you sort of lose it a bit and it sort of becomes mm. you or like it becomes something that is too real for you to keep fictionalizing it and to keep sort of letting it the story sort of happen naturally so I tried to do like an hour like her an hour a day for mm. Monk's life or like even just like a few minutes a day and maybe like it skips two weeks in between as well mm. it was just an interesting experiment for myself and hopefully it's also kind of interesting for the reader to be able to oh totally it's guess very that. interesting <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of like a patchwork quilt of a of a book in yeah. a way <laughs> yeah. or a patchwork quilt of a character yeah actually even even a character because mm. I would I would say that I was very close to the character more so than the plot. Yeah. I have always had, like, trouble with plotting things out. So when it's sort of bookmarked under little titles like that, you know, I, I always read it better and I always write it better. So mm. I'm hoping that people that don't normally read either uh, sort of find it, like, almost cinematic that is, like, consciously switching scenes. Yeah, it, yeah. it is quite like that. It's it's You get these sort of... So every every chapter is broken up into these. It's some of them are just a page, some are a couple of pages. Yeah, yeah. And you do kind of get that. It's a, like a very vivid image, and it's sort of. It almost reminded me. I don't know if you read *A Girl Is a Half Formed Thing* by Emma McBride, which is a wonderful but very sad book. Oh really? I should yeah. read it. I've heard of it. Yeah. It's really great, but it almost reminded me of that because that book is very much about 
um, it's stream of consciousness, but it's about putting the reader like literally in the brain of the protagonist. So right. it's, it's written in the way that you actually think, but then the result of that is that you're very present as you read. And I think this does a similar thing that by having those moments sort of like yeah. alongside each other. That's I felt a really, really good way of putting it actually. Oh. Cause I think, <laughs> yeah, sometimes like it does like ramble. And at one point in the book, I think like one of the sentences like start off in all caps mm. and that's something that my editor kept and I was kind of like oh it's weird I thought he would have taken that away because I think naturally as a writer I started to write like I was very much implanted there for the moment and I only had a certain amount of space to say it mm. so I like I would like I guess the reader to read it like exactly how you just said just then yeah like, I, I found it really I, I felt sort of like I was very much just thrown into the book while yeah. I was reading it oh, um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> um were there, did you find it difficult to sort of sustain, I suppose, a plot and like those cons- the consistencies of characters across such a fragmented form? And even do you agree with the term fragmented? Because I know some people don't. I, I think the, the difference is even though it's fragmented, mm. I never actually. I wrote this book in like a month, I think. Whoa! Or, or like a bit more. I don't yeah. know. It felt like <laughs> a month very quick. because yeah, I just every every day that I would write it, I'd spend pretty much like the whole day. Like I think mm. I even skipped classes to just like keep writing it because <laughs> it it would just. I think that's that's like the biggest risk is that every sort of fragmented form could be like a different version of the character that doesn't quite line up mm, and it's a spiral it's easy to spiral out of control yeah yeah and I hope it doesn't do that for no you no it doesn't that. at all it definitely doesn't <laughs> yeah. I was very impressed I was because oh, I, I love books that are a bit weird with form uh-huh. but there is this thing of like sometimes when authors are too experimental with yeah. how they approach it they can sort of lose track lose of the world of the yeah, yeah but I think as you were saying before you're, you're very close to the character I think that sort of comes through and, and it kind of glues it together but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and back to the protagonists there's there's a really stark contrast between your two main protagonists there's Santa Coy yeah. and Monk mm-hmm. and Santa Coy is like this rich kid who's like flying around the world, like, giving people fur coats. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Monk, who's only been on holiday once in her life, and in the book goes for a second time to exactly the same place. Yeah. <laughs> um, why did you choose to have these two as your sort of, as sort of, like, the centre of the book and right next to each other? Was that contrast intentional? It's funny because I didn't, I didn't, when they first met, they were supposed to be exactly the same. Like, mm. she was supposed to find solace in the fact that he was, like... And I think that's how I, I it, it should read. I think mm. um, that it should read like they sort of both begin on the same footing, but slowly as they get closer and slowly she sort of realises that he's more level-headed than her, mm. sort of knows what he's doing, very conscious of what he's doing. Um, is that because they had a different sort of educational experience and they had a different sort of like um, economic experience as well? Like. Mm. Um, it's not very obvious in the book, but the geography of that city, like that anonymous city, is kind of important because um, the space is important, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like Santa Coy lives in um, this big house and Monk lives in the apartment. And um, I didn't, like, I saw that as such, like, as imagery sort of... Um, I don't know, like, that started off as imagery before it started off as something to comment on their different lifestyles and upbringings so the, those sort of settings just came to you before you even thought about the people in them I think so because I think it's quite I think it's something that I 
I observed as mm. well, you know, in um, just the sort of, not people around me, but sort of the world around me right now currently yeah. is just that sort of um, contradiction of, you know, being someone that you're not and like sort of dressing down and sort of like, mm. I don't know if that's like um, something that you... Oh, I know what you mean. Definitely. You know what I mean, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like sort of that whole um, fashion of... Yeah, fashion of being sort of like trying ripped clothes and yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. bloodstones and uh-huh. all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. Um, did you did you take a lot of the world you live in and put it into the book, or was it is it some inspired by r- real life in terms of setting and city? Because it is an anonymous city, but it yeah. it, it is very familiar to yeah. Melbourne. Like, <laughs> yeah, similar. yeah. It's funny because I went to San Francisco recently. Oh, I went okay. to San Francisco a month ago, and I was like, this looks exactly how I wanted it to look in the book, but San Francisco oh. is weirdly, like, similar to Melbourne as well. Like, um, it was just a bigger Chinatown, I think, and a yeah. more sort of isolated Chinatown so it was more like an Asian population living there and it was like very much like Hong Kong which is where my family's from yeah so I was like really I was like this is a really good in-between of everywhere that I was trying to accumulate but yeah sorry what was the question I can't even remember yeah let's just just move on (laughs) yeah let's keep going um the other thing is I find Chinatown such a fascinating setting because it's it's such a universal thing. Like, when uh-huh. you go around the world and every city has a Chinatown and they're all quite, like, they're all different, but yeah. they're all sort of, like, it, it's God, Chinatown. They're, yeah, they have, right. they have yeah. their own flavour, but it's all quite similar. Was, uh-huh. was that sort of a um, conscious decision you made to have it as an anonymous city and then a sort of anonymous, like, region of a city? Yeah, I think... It was conscious in the sense that I wanted that to be the mood but then I sort of slowly realized the exact same thing that you realized and Mm. and just like that it's so it it was a way to universalize it yeah but because like everyone sees it as somewhere they go and consciously knowing it's where they're going to experience a culture yeah yeah and um and it's just funny how we sort of use other places like that but it's not named that Mm. you know so like Chinatown it, like you're very consciously going into it being like this is Chinatown I'm allowed to like sort of you know immerse myself in Chinese culture but yeah. then you go to like I don't know you go to a certain suburb and it's like more of a population and like more of a density of like certain immigrants mm. and like um, I grew up in um, a suburb like that so it's like very much like you enter it and you sort of you don't no one notices it mm. um but they sort of start to pick up. There are so many, like, Chinese people there. And so it was, like, a suburb where it was, like, okay to be racist because it was, like, it was like that. So, like, mm. I was sort of wanting to comment on the idea that when we, when we like, sort of consciously be, like, oh, we're going to immerse ourselves in this culture, we're going to, like, eat Chinese food, it's like we're respecting the culture. But then when we're sort of outside of that mindset... Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, in our everyday living and we sort of come across it, we treat it very differently. Yeah. Like, we idealise it when we're in, like, a specific geographical location, which I just think is, like, bizarre. Yeah, because it's almost yeah. like sometimes you go into those spaces, like, those designated spaces, like a Chinatown. Yeah, designated like Chinatown, and it's everything so much better. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, designated spaces. But like you're, that. you're like, ready? Yeah. Right? And you shouldn't have to be ready. Like, yeah. there's so many different cultures around us every yeah, day and you shouldn't right. have to be, like, I'm going to like change yeah. my mind and, and <laughs> today sort of, I'm going to Yum Cha and I'm going to be like oriental today I'm going to go to Japanese and it's kind yeah. of like that. 
So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you can apply that to any culture. It's not just Chinatown. Yeah. But that for me was interesting because like I grew up in a suburb that was kind of similar to Chinatown, but it wasn't yeah a designated space to yeah. be Chinatown. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's it's not like you know Chinatown. It sort of has that decoration to it as well. So you're yeah, like exactly. you're like fully immersed in yeah. this idea of what it is, and the people sort of don't really. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's completely different. Um, and I also wanted to ask, so you, back to the form. Um, so you've, this is your first book. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic, and it's um, it's as I said before, it's very formally experimental. Um, as an author who's started her career in this particular way, what do you think about the ro- what's, what is the role of fiction for us today? Like, should it offer something exciting should it be keeping readers like active and on their toes and and like an active participant in the book like I felt like that while I was reading this I felt quite like yeah (laughs) involved um yeah what do you think a good book should do I think a good book like I think it's interesting because I'm not a very good reader myself Mm. so like I will like my attention span is like the same as everyone in this generation like read like an an article and sort of be like oh my god that's that's it that's all I can do today (laughs) or like even just read half an article and be like I know this like you know that sort of reading mind that we have today and um that's how I also have started to write because I, I feel myself getting lazy university re- like readings at university. Mm. Like, you know, it's so long. I'm kind of like, oh, I'm sick of reading. And, like, I yeah. don't want to be because I love to write. So it was kind of like this contradiction when I, when I like, continue to write today and when I wrote this book. Mm. I was kind of like, but it sucks because, like, when you won't, like, you won't know a good book. Like, I, I picked up a book for the first time and read it in a long time, like, mm. just a little bit before I wrote this. And I was like, you know what, like, books can, like, actually change the way you see things. And, like, mm. books can, like, sort of, like, you know, get a bit of perspective that's outside of what we read on the internet. Because that's all, like, it's interesting. It's still filtered, but it's, like, mm. filtered in a very different way to how, you know, um, culture magazines or, like, you know, news is, like... And it doesn't have the same us. agenda as Yeah, well. exactly. It's not trying yeah. to necessarily convince you of something directly. Whereas exactly. often when you read media, it's, like... Yeah. It has more of a... It's more forthright with how it wants you to think. Yeah. It's almost like you've made up your mind yourself as a reader about yeah. it. Like, yeah, in that way. So I kind of I kind of set out to write a book that looked a little different and read a little different, but still was... Ho- like, hopefully it was still true to like the traditional sort of novel form Mm. in the way it's written but the way it looks I think really hopefully might change the way that um non-readers will look at books or like yeah yeah I mean that's very ambitious of me to say that but no I I think that's a great point because even your comment before about you know yourself having trouble reading Mm -hmm. longer things (laughs) and like I, I suffer from that too um it's because the way that it is written, it's in the it is in these little short sort of bursts and moments, yeah, and it's right. a little easier to approach. Like, say you're reading on the tram or something, you can just yeah. like read a bit, look out the window a bit, read yeah, another bit, and it's not yeah, yeah. disrupted. It's not like you have to stop halfway through a paragraph. Right. It's, it's almost like you can kind of snatch a bit out in thirty seconds, yeah, and then come back to it later. I, yeah, because like I kind of got into poetry as well a lot. Yeah, like yeah. you know around this like period which I'd never sort of explored before and there's so many cool sort of like um long form poetry Mm. and I was just like oh this is just like crazy like um 
people should be reading more stuff that looks like this and like but people don't know that there's stuff that looks like this yeah I think it scares people as well I think sometimes poetry and experimental fiction people open the book and they look at it and they're like oh Oh, no (laughs) (laughs) what is this I'm not familiar with this and they don't want to read it but I think yeah I hope that this like for my for myself I found having those really short bursts within Mm -hmm. the chapters in in your book was quite like it made it quite approachable and I read it quite fast because I was oh, like, good. yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely read it very fast. And um, how long did it take you to read it? Oh, uh, I think I read it at, over the weekend, so probably oh, in like two or three sittings. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> I'm a quick reader, but it, it was definitely quicker than That's most. That's really impressive. Yeah, because it was. It wasn't like I, you don't get so weighed down in the plot, uh-huh. I suppose, which isn't always a bad thing. But it was quite easy to just be like, oh, one more chapter. Or like, or one more page, and then you yeah. just keep going, and you're like, oh, it's ten o'clock. Oh, need to leave. So nice. um, and just a question to finish up because we're almost at the end. What are you reading at the moment? Okay, so I'm reading. I just finished. It's funny because I, I mentioned I went to the US like yeah. for holiday in February, um, and my boyfriend got me a Joan Didion her novel, Play It mm-hmm. As It Lays. I think it's really popular, but yeah. I hadn't really heard of it before. But um, it was cool because I, I got to read that, and um, I read some of her nonfiction the year before because um, I was doing, I was studying, yeah, I was studying her, and uh, yeah. So I just finished that, and I moved on to her book South and West. Mm. and it's like um, an essay about the south and an essay about the west so it's like okay. it's really cool yeah I'm sort of just interested in her her mode of writing and her mood sort of like the mood that she sets as well and then I'm also supposed to be reading um uh oh no. I forgot I forgot the books I was supposed to be reading because I'm in the middle of um this book uh Disgrace by Joan Hotsey as well yeah 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 you know yeah, yeah. Um, I should be finishing that, but I haven't read that in a while. And oh, one last book, um, Why I'm No Longer Talking About Race, which is... I love that Have you read it? so much. Uh, yeah. My friend gave it to me for my birthday. It's so good. Yeah, it's and so, so good. I, I just, it's been like sitting there and I'm just like, I really... Because I often read like a non-fiction and a fiction together, like at yeah. the same time, because I know they're both going to take ages. So like, yep. I, I, <laughs> like yeah. Um, so yeah. They're the three books that I'm sort of, like, working on at the yeah. moment. Yeah. So you're the kind of person who's always got a few things going on in terms of your reading. Yeah, yeah. I think so. <laughs> it, it's it's really bad. I'm sort of ashamed of it. Everybody but reads differently. It's good because it gives me some perspectives, you know what I mean? Something. Yeah. <laughs> and especially as a writer, you need to constantly have that. Yeah. Sort of that's a really good excuse. In. Yeah. I'm going to use that next time. Yeah, well, <laughs> as a writer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Well, you've been listening to Jamie Marina Lau discuss her fantastic new book, Pink Mountain on Locust Island, which will be available at all reading stores from April April onwards. And you can stream previous episodes of the Readings podcast on our website, readings.com.au, where you'll also find news, reviews and interviews and information on our current book, music and DVD releases. You can even sign up to our newsletter, The Readings Monthly. Thank you so much for coming in to talk to me today, Jamie. Thank you so much. No worries. And thank you for listening.